Hello, loved ones. Thank you for joining us for this series about what if these free floating anxieties dealing with the worries that keep you up at night. I think one of the most common worry points, the most common what if points is dealing with the fear of failure. Even people with extraordinary talent have no guarantee of success. There are so many things beyond our control. The culture in which we serve, the, the climate of the business world at our particular time of life. There are so many what ifs that it just makes one big what if. What if I fail? Very seldom when I do premarital counseling and we talk about vows and we talk about marriage, we always tell the couple, you know, we look at this beautiful young lady all set and ready to spend the rest of her life with this young man. And invariably somebody sometime during the counseling will say, how can we be sure that this will work? And I said, I think there are things you can do that will ensure uh, success to a very large measure. But the bottom line is that like most things in life, you can never be certain of anything apart from the promises of God. But there are things you can do to make sure that your marriage is a success. And that's where we focus our premarital counseling. And through the years, when they go through the seasons of life, they'll have to tweak and adjust. That's part of it. But they don't live in fear of this marriage falling apart. In fact, it's a healthy view, whether it's marriage or business or ministry, it's a healthy view to understand that there's always the danger of not being successful. Paul said, I realize that faith can come, sometimes go shipwrecked and I can be considered a castaway. But what did he say? He said, but I do everything I know to do to ensure my success and we trust in the faithfulness of God. So let me say the end at the beginning there's always a possibility that things will derail on us. But what we do is not live in fear of the derailing. We live with the confidence that God is going to help us. It's not a destructive thing to realize that failure is a possibility. It is a destructive thing to let that thought dominate you. Now, let me say one more thing before we get into your notes. Um, understand that sometimes what we call failure is just a stepping stone. It was said of Thomas Edison that every light bulb that failed, he chalked up as a success because he said, I know one more thing that doesn't work. I don't have to waste my time on this design anymore. And the idea behind what he was saying is the same thing that Christians hold to Yes, failure is a possibility, but God is the great redeemer. And God is the one that makes even our disappointments come together for something beautiful. So I wanted to begin my few minutes with you, uh, reminding you that, uh, first of all, what we think is failure is not always failure. It could be actually an integral part of success. Joshua 1 
verses 1 through 9 tells about a man that stepped into shoes that I, I don't know how he ever imagined that he was going to be able to fill them, but he knew he could be a success with God. It's the story of Joshua following Moses. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' aide or Moses' assistant, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then, you and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I'm about to give them to all the Israelites. I will give you every place where you set your foot, as I promised Moses. Your territory will extend from the desert to Lebanon, you know, the desert in the south, Lebanon in the north, and from the great river, the Euphrates, all the Hittite country to the Mediterranean Sea in the west. That's a big chunk of land that Israel doesn't own all of today, but it's part of the promise of God for them. No one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. And here's where he links him to the great iconic figure of Moses. As I was with Moses, so will I be with you. I will never leave you, never forsake you. So be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their ancestors to give them. Be strong, be very courageous, be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left that you may be successful wherever you go. Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Have I not commanded you be strong and courageous? Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. This very passage of scripture was the first sermon that I preached as a senior pastor. The very first. I think some people thought I was being arrogant Name of the sermon was Moses is dead. And I was trying to say, you've had a pastor that's led you all these years and you've had success. And, but you need to understand, first of all, he's gone. And now it's time for a new leader. I wasn't arrogant. I was terrified. I was preaching to me more than I was to the church. I didn't want them to say, hey, you know, our pastor's gone, but we got a new one who's better. No, I didn't think I was better at all. Uh, the fact is I was terrified and I found peace in the idea that Moses, who was the most incredibly successful person imaginable the vast majority of the time, I was going to be following somebody that I considered to be a Moses and I was scared to death. So I preached that first sermon to encourage me and to encourage my wife, but I'm not sure the church was sold on it. Now we had a good, a good time with that church and they became dear friends, but I was needing to know that even though there's a what if of failure, God laid down some pretty good 
guidelines for me that could help me be successful. Now, challenges that you face may differ. Some challenges are like virgin territory, and there is the anxiety of something having never been done before. Um, sometimes, in other words, you are brought to a new place and God calls you to do something that you don't know of anybody who's ever done it. Or at the very least, you don't know anybody who's ever done it if it's been done before. And I call that Abraham faith. Whenever Abraham was described by Paul and also by the writer of Hebrews, Abraham was called to go into a place he didn't even know where it was, didn't even know what it was going to look like. He knew that there was another dimension to it because it was a heavenly city. It was a city whose builder and maker was God. Moses was called to leave Ur of the Chaldeans and his family's idol-making business. And God said, you are going to be the father of the faithful. Man, that's why Abraham is such an incredible man in my book. Not only the life he lived, but the life he lived from scratch. He didn't know anybody, so far as we know, that had ever begun to walk in faith like that. Some challenges are new to us, but others have blazed the trail for us. And when that's the case, we learn from them. We, we try to have a mentor. All through my ministry, I've tried to focus on at least one person as a mentor that they were currently successful in the new endeavor I was taking on. And I tried to learn from them. I tried to listen to them. I tried to, to be a student of them. Some challenges are new and we have the added burden of following a legend. See, it's, everybody's got to follow somebody, but some people have to follow absolute legends, absolute legends. Mickey Mantle, who from my generation was arguably one of the top three or four baseball players in history. But Mickey Mantle had so many difficulties, self-imposed difficulties. He drank. He didn't think he was going to live long. He put his career second. He put his family behind his career. He had all kinds of troubles. And thankfully, he came to his senses and he came to the Lord before he died. And Mickey Mantle was always my hero growing up. But I heard him say this one time. He said, the thing that got me off to such a bad start, he said, the Yankees, not only was I being brought up to the greatest franchise in sports, I was brought up to replace Joe DiMaggio, who he said, I believe was the greatest player who ever lived. He said, and I felt whipped immediately not only did I have to play center field for the Yankees, but I was going to replace Joe DiMaggio after a couple of years. And it was a, a, a traumatic thing for him. So loved ones, sometimes we have to understand that we're concerned about success because it's something we've never done. Might even be something we've never even heard of or seen done. So we don't have a model to follow. Or it could be that we've seen it done, but we just don't think we can measure up to the person whom we're following. It may be that way in your ministry, may be that way in your business. It may be that um, somehow the dynamics of your family operate like that. Um, but we all, in one way or another, have a fear 
Am I up to the task? When we send our children out on their own to college, have I trained them well? Have I taught them how to resist temptation? When we, when we give our children to someone else in marriage, have I taught them what it means to be a man of God, a family man or a, or a woman, the queen of the house? You always second guess yourself, you know, the what ifs, the what ifs, the what ifs. But we need to find a way to wrap our heads around the challenge, but to neutralize the awesomeness of the challenge by asking God to help us wrap our arms around some precious principles. I want you to look in your notes at what Joshua learned as he faced the fear of failure. This was an important um, process in, uh, in Joshua's life as he followed Moses. Uh, number one, God promised to be as faithful to Joshua as he had been to Moses. He said, I know Moses is bigger than life, but he said, I'm promising you, I will be as faithful to you as I was to Moses. So we need to learn the value of testimony through scripture, biographies, by stories. We need to let God begin to give us our own victory file. Psalm 103 says, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. I read that in high school and I listened to a pastor tell me this. He said, I started a victory file. If I'm going to remember all of his benefits, he said, I'm going to start a victory file. And he said, I started writing in, uh, the story of God's incredible faithfulness. And every time I began to be bogged down, I would go back to my victory file and remember that the same God who was faithful to my parents, to my grandparents, to my pastor, to my uh, parents' pastor, he said, that same God is going to be faithful to me. So when you face something that makes you wonder, am I going to be able to pull this off? God says, look at all the faithful people you want to and understand that I will be with you just as I was with them. Um, when I went to that first church, I, I found out right away those people didn't expect me to be like the former pastor. And I didn't have to do the same things the former pastor did. I didn't have to preach the same way. I didn't have to lead the same way. None of that helped me. Our styles were different. Our personalities were different. We were just different places on the chart. But what brought me comfort was not that I was preaching like him or, or acting like him or, or leading like him. What brought me comfort is that God was as faithful to me as he was to the former pastor who had victory after victory. I began to discover that I could have victory after victory as well. Um, our, our confidence is that God says, I'll never move you to the place where I can't reach you and I can't help you. There's a story of a missionary um, that went, this was over a hundred years ago. This was when you often went to the mission field and you packed your stuff in coffins because the expectation was when you went to the mission field, you probably weren't, weren't coming home. 
He didn't live long enough to reach retirement age. Well, this man went to Africa with his wife and raised their children there. And they did live to retirement age. When he left as a young man in his 20s for the mission field, a friend of his who was a businessman did everything in his power to get him to stay. He said, I know you love God and I know that you think God is in this, but I will, I will give you a job here where you can make so much money, you can pay someone else to do these missions. And he says, please don't go. I fear I will never see you again. And that was when he was in his 20s. Now in his late 60s, he's coming home. And uh, something very interesting happened. He came in at the same set of docks in New York City that he sailed out from. And his old friend from uh, nearly 50 years earlier had uh, got word he was coming home and he met him at the dock. Now here's the interesting thing. When he saw his friend, he shook his hand, he hugged him, hugged his wife. Hadn't seen them in all these years. And he said, um, the, the missionary pulled out an envelope out of his pocket, yellowed envelope. It was, it was very old. And on the cover, it said, open this when you have nowhere else to turn. And you could tell from the feel of it, it was a package of money or something substantive. And the businessman, when the missionary pulled it out and handed it back to him, he looked at this thing that had not been opened in over 50 years. He said, you never opened this? He said, no. He said, it was a packet full of money, a substantial amount of money. I can't believe you didn't open it. And this is what the missionary said after 50 years of, of gut-wrenching ministry. He said, well, you told me not to open it unless I got to the point where I had nowhere else to turn. And with God, I've never had nowhere else to turn. That resulted in that businessman giving his own life to the Lord on that dock in New York City. That's the idea, the faithfulness of God. God said, I'll be as faithful to Joshua. I'll be as faithful to you as I was to Moses. The second thing Joshua learned is that God promised <coughs> Joshua and his people would inherit their full destiny. He said, now I know this is a land you've never seen. I know this is a dynamic that you have not embraced. But he said, I am going to bring you into the thing that I have promised. Now, I understand that our destiny is not automatic. It requires obedience and it requires faithfulness. But God will compensate for our weakness through his strength. God said, I'll be with you just like I've been with others and I will bring you to your destiny even when you are plagued with weaknesses and failures. Paul put it this way. He said, I may fail, but God abides faithful. I may fall flat on my face, but God remains trustworthy. And that leads us to the third thing God did with Joshua God encouraged him to focus on courage and attitude. He said, yeah, there's going to be challenges, but I'm going to be with you like I was with Moses. 
I'm going to bring you to your destiny. So what you've got to do is determine the conversation you have in your mind. You've got to focus on courage and attitude. And that leads to number four. God taught them the power of keeping scripture at the center of his life. He said, now I'm going to provide, I'm going to be with you. I'm going to bring you to your destiny. I'm going to bring everything together. You've just got to be bold and courageous. He told him that several times. He said, but what you need to do as part of this process of being bold and courageous. He says, you've got to keep scripture at the center of your life. That's why Moses, see Joshua remembered this. In Deuteronomy, Moses had told the people of Israel, remember the scripture, talk of it around the dinner table, discuss it while you walk down the road. He says, keep scripture at the center of your life and remember that the center point of those scriptures that you keep at the center of your life, this is point number five, is this, I promise I will be with you. See, that's the most terrifying thought in the world to me is the thought that God would leave, that God would withdraw his hand, that God would not be with me. But God says you never have to worry. You never have to worry. In the New Testament, it says, I will never leave you or forsake you. Never Ever will I leave you or forsake you? There's a, a word usage called an intensive right there. And it's as though God is saying in the, in the Greek text, I will never, never, ever under any circumstances leave you. God says, I want you to understand, and I'll say it as many times as I need to, I'm not going to leave you. And then he ends with a special promise all over again. He says, I will make your life successful. Now, what are these six lessons? Number one, God promised to be as faithful to Joshua as he had been to Moses. God promised to bring both Joshua and the people he was leading into their full inheritance. Number three, God encouraged them to focus on courage and attitude. Keep your head level. God taught them the power of keeping the scripture at the center of the life of their lives, God said, I will never leave you. I will always be with you. And when all is said and done, let me remind you again what I reminded you at the beginning. I will always make your life successful. Now, how do we wrap this up? Where do we go with, well, what if? What if, Pastor? What if? Uh, here's one thing I think might help you. There will always be those who give you a failing grade, at least in some area. Uh, there are going to be critics. There are going to be people that don't like you. There are going to be perfectionists. There are always going to be petty people that will consider you a failure, but don't take your progress report from them. If you can learn something from their critique, learn it. But you need to understand that not every critic has the right to criticize and when they criticize, does not have the right facts. There will always be somebody that will give you a failing grade. Number two, you've got to understand that there are going to be some who think you fail because it's impossible to please everyone. 
it's impossible to please everyone. And number three, give the people that you lead, the people that will ultimately sit in judgment on whether or not you succeed, give them permission to go through seasons. In other words, much of your success is just going to be vindicated with time. Much of your success is going to be vindicated with time. Um, I don't like making political statements, but this one's far enough removed. I think it's a safe one. When Harry Truman left the White House after serving two terms, he had a, a approval rate of about 41%. That's not good. But I think Harry Truman was one of the most insightful. I don't agree with him on everything, but I think he was one of the most insightful, honest presidents of integrity we've ever had. And do you know what? Given a little bit of time, in poll after poll after poll, Harry Truman ranked in the top five American presidents. All he needed was a little bit of time and vindication. And that may be that way with you. Um, the clear priority is to please God and understand that our ultimate vindication is going to be in heaven. Don't worry about failure because this world does not judge accurately most of the time anyway. That's why Jesus said when the kingdom of heaven comes in its fullness, the first may be last. And the last may be first because what matters is heaven's estimation. And don't spend your life trying to put together a list of people that like everything I did or approve everything I did. Live your life understanding that only one life has been given to me and my goal is to please God. Father, help us. Help us. We are in a success-driven generation, and that can result in good things, but it can also be a terrible oppressor when we feel that we have to please everyone. And Lord, especially when we go through life and feel like we're not pleasing anyone, may we always stay focused on the fact that our goal is to please you, and just as importantly as keeping that in front of us, is helping us keep in front of us the fact that you said, I'll be with you, I'll help you, I'll show you the way. So thank you for that great partnership we have with you. In Jesus' name, amen, amen.